If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump. Hey, guys. For the first 42 minutes, we do our introductory conversation. We talk about life before the internet. Yes, it existed. There was life before the internet. Wow. <laughs> we talk about winners of slower. the Instagram caption contest. This what? is on our Mind Pump Media Instagram page. Adam tells uh, Let's tells all the make audience fun of Sal. Yay. who won. That's basically what it was. Then we talk about what drives the Mind Pump team. Uh, we had a nice all staff meeting the other day. Uh, very humbling to hear from our team members. Then we talked about starting with why. When starting a fitness business, kind of continuation of that conversation. Um, Justin's cold remedy. He sounds, you're going to listen to this episode and you're going to wonder why Justin is starting to hey sound there. more like Adam. <sighs> he might be getting a cold and he's using Organifi's turmeric and green juice to bolster his immune system to help fight off this demon cold. It's working. If you go to Organifi.com forward slash mind pump, enter the code mind pump, you'll get 20% off. Then we talk about supplements that are tainted with pharmaceutical drugs. There's actually a list of uh, like 700 companies that the FDA has tested and found them to contain if things If your like, protein powder is giving you boners, it has you want to give us a listen. That's right. <laughs> and then we transition to the dark side of the supplement industry. I didn't even know there was a bright side. Uh, then we get into the questions. The first question was, you know, in some of our programs, we include weighted exercises and rep ranges, is it better to add weight and stay in the lower part of the rep range or try to do more reps and hit the top part of the rep range? Good discussion in that part of this episode. Next question, is playing a games like basketball maybe two hours a week, is that going to take away from my body's ability to build muscle? Is doing these kinds of you know, more endurance-focused type sports detrimental to building muscle? Hmm. Next question, this person wants to know how to correct an overarched lower back, especially when you do things like squats and overhead presses. We give you some correctional exercise tips, and we do mention our program, MAPS Prime, which helps address some of these things. Of course, you can find out more about MAPS Prime at mapsfitnessproducts.com. And the final question, how do you train to get more muscle separation? In other words, you know, when you look at someone, you can see that their delts look very distinct from their biceps and their triceps and their quads look diff- you know, very distinct from their hamstrings. Is there a particular way to train for that? Find out at the end of the episode. Also, MAPS Aesthetic, this is our bodybuilder, physique competitor, and bikini competitor-inspired program. Uh, it's a lot of volume. It's focused basically on getting you to look your absolute best. So it's an aesthetic focus program. You can actually pick which body parts you want to focus more on and plug them into the program yourself to individualize the routine. That program, a very popular one, for the first time ever, 50% off. It's half off all month long in the month of October. All you got to do is go to mapsblack.com and use the code BLACK50, B-L-A-C-K, the number 50, no space, at checkout to get that discount. And if you have any questions on our other MAPS programs, we have quite a few of them. Hmm. We also offer bundles where we combine them together. Just go to mapsfitnessproducts.com and read about them. And if you like them, sign up. Hit it up. So the other day, 
my, and I don't know, maybe you guys can help. You can back me up on this, or maybe I'm crazy. You're crazy. Ooh. But the most, one of the most annoying things in the world for me is when my, anything in technology doesn't work, but especially my Wi-Fi. So I'm at home, can't, I'm go, ready to watch something great on Amazon Prime mm. or Netflix and not working. So I'm like, ah, all right, let me f- try to reconnect. Nothing's working. Like, like it's like in that buffering continuous loop that yeah, never closes. Dude, and I'm like, oh my God. So I go on my Xfinity account. Would you like to restart your whatever the thing's called? Yes. Right. You have to you have to kick it and then blow on the machine. Yeah, it's like, okay, you know, this may take up to five minutes. I'm like, God, five minutes. And then I realize how spoiled we are. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Insanely impatient. When I was a kid, if something didn't work, like you'd be happy if it got fixed in two days. Yeah. Like, oh, my cassette player broke. Oh, you know. And then Dude, you remember. Two days later, dad's like, I fixed it. You're like, oh, my God. Now I have to wait five minutes. And I'm like, I'm contemplating canceling all internet forever. Like, yeah. fuck you guys. I'm yeah. done. Yeah. I'm never yeah. doing this again. You forgot all about dial up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, remember, you remember when you would, uh, the first times you download like a, a naked image? Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it goes like line by line. <laughs> you lose your boner before it finishes. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> or, you're, or you're an idiot and you leave the printed copy in the corner of the shower and your mom finds it. That sounds very specific. Uh, yeah, yeah, that literally happened. Real specific. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a bad move. But I hated it because what this for the young guy, young guys listening right now, you would click on an image, but it wasn't the image. It was a ex- description of the image. So it was like naked girl on the bed. You're like, ooh, this might be a good one. Huh? You click on it, and then you'd wait for the lines to come. Yep. <laughs> and then there'd be a bad one. You know, be like, oh, this one sucks. Go to another one. Yeah. Wait, it was terrible. It was a terrible way to, oh, to yeah. handle handle I mean, things. That's like half your afternoon right yeah. there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> trying to wait it out. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you guys do? It's re- gonna be great. I'm trying to remember when. When I, I I personally had that transition of pretty much never using the internet to like it becoming attached to you. Do you remember like the transition, or was oh. it like a was it a gradual thing over time? Mm-hmm. Like where where did we go? At what point? At what year? Or what point in your life did it all of a sudden become necessary? Because there was a point where it wasn't even necessary. Like I didn't need to use it at all. No. Yeah. Right. You got along. You got along just fine without it for mm-hmm. a very long time. And even when it first came around, it was very very slow. And it's like, eh. If I, there maybe like email, like you were using it for that. Maybe right. and even then, I wasn't a big. That's email. what's right. interesting. Yeah, when it was slow, you could put it off easy because it was just like a pain in the ass, you know, to, to to log in and then check email and do all stuff that took forever. So it was uh, maybe a few times a day, you know, right. at most. Like right. you would you would check, you know, maybe like three times a day. Yeah, I remember. So I, internet for me is like it's like perfect for me because I'm the kind of person that throughout the entire day. I'll have a random thought and I'll want to learn about that random thought and I'll want to dive deep. And but when the internet was slow, that was that was tough to do. But I I do remember it's when I owned my uh, my personal training studio or wellness facility, and I had a computer at my desk. And in between clients, because this is before smartphones, right? It was before you could get online and access the internet so easily like you can now. You had to go on a computer. But the internet at this point was relatively fast. And I remember in between client, I'd be talking to a client. And ideas would pop in my head and be like, you know, you know, for example, this this is literally what happens to me. Literally, I'm sitting there thinking, what's the difference between a sheriff and a police officer? Like, <laughs> and I'd, I'd go on my computer and I'd read all about it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
And, and just in case that comes up in conversation at a party, you know, dude, this you is where, just how I operate. No, this is how we all. This is something that we're also. Last night we're like Katrina and I are like doing a bunch of work. We had finished up uh, from our meeting late last night, and we continued it on and getting it ready for the meeting that we had this morning. And so we're like all in it. And then all of a sudden, I kind of like she's like typing away, and I'm kind of like staring off. <laughs> like into the like like the wall right and and it's like there's silence for me for like 10 minutes and she's like <clears throat> she's like what are you thinking about and i'm like uh what it means to be an influencer right <laughs> <laughs> like, just like, it's a random but i'll be like deep in thought like like yeah. what, what exactly does that mean and what and are who came up with that term that was widely accepted by all these people right now? and then yeah. i started like i started processing that like okay well think about all these people online that refer to themselves as a as a social media influencer and then you look at what they post it's like you know cool cars beautiful images of themselves i'm like this is what we define as a influencer. How many today. followers do you need to be an influencer? Right. Yeah. Like, is all there those a criteria. All these things are going through my head. Like it's like and oh, so it, making it up. That triggers the down the rabbit hole of like searching and looking up stuff. Oh, I love I love doing it because I'm so ADD. I got actually got in trouble this morning for being so ADD. I was walking with Jessica in the morning. We're doing a, like we do a morning walk sometimes, and she's like telling me a something, <laughs> a story. Yeah, and, great, yeah, great story. And you guys know how bad I can yeah. be with this. Like, Birds. As she's talking, like as she's saying what she's saying to me, you know, and, and this can come across as such a jerk thing to do, but I, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm literally, you know, I explode with attention issues. And as she's talking, I go, hey, did you drink coffee today? She's like, what? Why are you even asking me this? this? I don't know. I was just wondering if you had coffee earlier and just oh, so <laughs> annoying. But the internet is perfect for someone like me because- my mind does that, and then I'll just go on my. You guys see me throughout the day, go on my oh, phone, yeah. and I'm reading about some random thing. But, oh, that's how that works. But the way I used to do it when I was a kid was I used to, you know, my my parents had, you know, Encyclopedia Britannica, and throughout the day when I was at home, I would think of something and I'd walk over to the encyclopedia, I'd pull it out. And I'd read about whatever just popped in my head. Or sometimes I now, would read from cover to cover. Do you remember if somebody taught you that? Because I think about that. We had, my mom actually used to sell World Book and encyclopedias and all that stuff. So we had we had the collection too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for a while there, you know, one of the things too, I think that my mom did really well for, for me when I was younger was she used to read those to me when I was a really young kid. But I don't remember her ever teaching me to like go research and look for look stuff myself, look up stuff myself. Do you did, were you taught that? Was that something like your parents instilled? Like you'd ask a bunch of random questions because you have your ADD going on. And they go, Sal, there's books over there. Go yeah. read it. Like how did you decide no, to start doing? So it started with PBS. So PBS, uh, public broadcast station <clears throat> or whatever, uh, where the, the the goal of that channel was to educate. Right. So they had all these TV shows on sharks or science or mr rogers was on there too and all this other stuff so when i was a kid if, if if my mom put that on i would be glued to the tv and then if i'm into something i remember it and so i'd recite it and then my mom bought snoopy's encyclopedia set so this is an encyclopedia set for I love kids Snoopy. yeah isn't he great oh, yeah. this was this encyclopedia Woodstock. set for for kids and so she bought them and she just put them up in the bookshelf and then I found them and I would sit in the living room and I'd read through every single one of them. And so, and I remember my dad kind of having a problem with it because I wasn't going outside and playing with all the other kids. <laughs> I want to be inside and read. And so he kind of get upset with me, you know, and be like, go outside, you know, and I'd be like, no. And the kids would knock on my door, sell home and I'd hide, tell my mom, tell them I'm not home because I want to read. 
Snoopy's encyclopedia. Oh, look at that! Your dad was concerned about you being uh-huh. too much of a nerd. Yeah, and then, well, you know what? He he's a he's an athlete, so it, uh, you know what I mean. It, maybe this contributed to some of my insecurities, Dad. Thanks. <laughs> but uh, but no, and then it was just Encyclopedia Britannica, and no, nobody said anything. I just picked them up, and I'd. They're really fascinating when you read them. It's like Wikipedia. It's the same thing, except it's A through you know C. So everything that they could think of that they'd list under each letter. And you could, and I didn't read all of it. Um, I would read through, and the ones that would interest me, then I'd read. So if you um, were like that, and and you really didn't go outside and play that much, I find it really fascinating because I don't. You're not socially awkward. I and I joke and I poke all the time like that at you, but you're really, you're absolutely not at all. You're incredibly charismatic. People are drawn to you as soon as they meet you. What? Where did that come out then? Like, where were you? Because if you were the nerdy kid who was reading encyclopedias, and you, I was outside playing, I was uh-huh. building ramps, I was jumping, yeah, I was you know, get, I was getting hurt. I was playing, yeah, knee football, flag football, like wrestling with friends, like mm-hmm. that. I was outside all the time, digging holes in parks, you know, making traps for other kids to fall in, like shit, like that. Bombing down hills on my skateboard without right. shoes on. Right. Yeah. So I was, I was smart stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Justin, Justin, and I were socially integrated. Kids really, stung by a lot of bees, <laughs> <laughs> seeing what I could break with my head. Yeah. yeah. So where? Where where was that transition from you for you to? It wasn't a transition. I've always liked talking to people. So if, if if I'm around people, I would always want to talk about what I was learning. So I just always enjoyed conversing. And you know, I guess my family encouraged it because everybody likes to. Yeah, but as a kid, aren't kids teasing you for that? Like if you're kind no. of a nerdy kid, you got along with kids right away. No, I was also very assertive. So it, you if you tried teasing me, you'd know right away that's not a good idea. Like I was a very assertive kid. On top of it, so mm. I wasn't an easy target. Um, so even though you were nerdy, you were still confident. Yeah, but were you physical yeah. like at the same time? Um, I well, I started lifting weights. Eli, yeah, you started lifting weights at fourteen, early. and it, you know, eleven and twelve, I was doing judo, and that oh, was yeah. kind of the extent. Oh, of you my, were doing it that early? See that? Yeah. yeah, I'm sure a lot of the confidence is attributed to that. I don't, I don't know. I'm, you know, of course. Here's the thing too: is I, we, there's certain stere- I think stereotypes exist for a reason, but many of them are inaccurate. Like, for example, there's the there's the stereotype of the uh, you know, and this one plagues the fitness industry till this day that jocks are dumb the dumb jock like if you're physical you're not smart now i understand where that stereotype came from if you're a high level athlete you're dedicating a lot of your time to mastering that craft if you're a very intelligent science person you're probably dedicating a lot of your time to science and not a lot to other things so you're not necessarily developing these other skills so i get where the stereotype comes from but the reality is like physical activity contributes to, you know, cognitive ability. Of course, cognitive ability definitely, especially if you apply it with physical ability, can improve physical ability. Like some of the best athletes are the ones that study oh, and know the I, game. Uh, absolutely, there's a lot of people that think that there's. I mean, because some maybe how how some of these athletes um, articulate their points on television or the set that they think they're stupid. Then you get to meet them behind scenes and you look they're very very intelligent and then the the work that they put into study i mean if you're at the professional level Mm -hmm. you're i don't care what anybody says you may sound stupid on tv you're a master of your craft yes and and the the amount of studying that it takes to to be at that level is is pretty high i think the other there's exceptions to the rule because i know someone's listening oh i know i know somebody's really stupid of course there's exceptions (laughs) to the rule but I think that's a blanket statement that people make that mistake that athletes are dumb. It is. And, I, and also, I think it's important when you – a lot of times we create stereotypes based on the popular representations of particular things. And if we think of the most brilliant you know, people of all time, when you're at that level of brilliance like you know Einstein or Elon Musk or Steve Jobs – 
those guys are they're not just smart dudes they're not just really smart dudes that are interested in 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 in, in, to, in things those guys are exceptionally brilliant and when you're at that level of intelligence you're you first off you're not like everybody else obviously it's what makes you so intelligent you're very different and so because they're so different then we develop the stereotype of the weird awkward mm. smart guy or smart girl you see what i'm saying but in reality most people look that's that's like it's like the 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 one in the in a in a billion fastest people in the world or you know when you're talking about that level of intelligence that doesn't represent the average smart person that you meet and the average smart person that you meet you know might very well be very charismatic and able to communicate and there's also other level other there's different types of intelligence i mean there's kinesthetic intelligence you know i know people that can't articulate themselves very well but they can move their bodies and and they understand where their bodies are in in relation to space in ways that are are absolutely brilliant and then you have verbal intelligence people who can communicate exceptionally well you have mathematical intelligence and musical intelligence so you know but anyways, anyway it's all fascinating stuff for me mm-hmm. it's all very interesting <laughs> you know i wanted to uh shout out some of the people that uh were do i don't know if you guys saw the post that taylor did on the main page the picture of you mm, yeah oh yeah 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 so i got basically i wonder what i was looking caption at. this yeah so uh, he's so he's he's hooking uh, up we and we're gonna do more of this like this is something that uh recently that him and i have been discussing i know there's a ton that i always put on this guy's plate but I'm like, hey man, we're in a place now where we have we have the the team to make this happen pretty fast, and we can do this on a more regular basis. So I, I, this is something that I hope to do more often and more consistent is just give away free shit because we we like people. Uh, and so he did the caption. He's gonna he was gonna give away a mind pump shirt uh, to the best caption that got the most likes. Uh, it got so much traction, so many people are doing it and, and loving it, and they're hilarious that he actually picked three people. So the three people that he's going to hook up uh, is Mike Bentley, 51, uh, is one of the people. Uh, healthy, happy, and free is another one. And then uh, Ashley, Ashley Tax, or no, excuse me, Ashley Stacks is uh, the third one. So if you guys want to read what they, they put on there, you go on the Mind Pump Media IG. Well, how, do they, how do they get their prize? Uh, Taylor will take care of that. So he'll, he'll inbox them and then get okay, them. Yeah, okay. We'll have an email thing set up, but he'll, he'll take care of getting their, their yeah. gift. I just wanted to give him a shout out on the show because he just sent that over to me right now. Dude, you know, uh, I, wanted, I, I wanted to... <clears throat> you just reminded me, because you're reading feedback, of uh, the, some of the... the stuff that we talked about yesterday in our all staff meeting which I really enjoy. I really enjoy these all staff meetings where we get to have everybody together and talk about you know what we're trying to do or whatever and you know something I brought up in the meeting I thought might be an interesting thing to bring up on the show where very interesting that it, I've never really experienced this before but um on a pretty regular basis and maybe it's because of our the feedback we get from our fans and and really the direction that we're really trying to go we constantly get humbled. There's always these reminders and uh, that of you know what we're actually doing for some people because we can get lost in the the fun and the business of of what we're doing and forget sometimes not purposely but just kind of forget like what the real driving purpose behind what we're doing, which we you know we say all the time is really to help people um, and to you know to change the direction of the fitness industry so that it actually becomes a solution to many of our health problems. And we're sitting there, we're having this meeting, and at the end of the meeting, each of the staff members was asked to give us feedback as to why they are a part of of Mind Pump. And I'm not going to go into details, it was all you know, kind of personal good stuff, but the, there was a common thing, a common theme among, among everybody, and that was that everybody was uh, very purpose-driven. 
Like everybody believes in this higher purpose of what we're doing. Uh, you know, everybody on our team, and I think that's that's rare. Um, you know, having managed big teams and whatever, you it's it's hard to get everybody to have this. Like if you have if you run a gym, for example, you have a business and someone works your front desk. And your bigger purpose is to get people healthy or whatever. And you ask your front desk staff, why are you here? He's like, I just needed a job between four and eight. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm going to college. Yeah, yeah you'll get some of that, right? You're going to get some of that. And, and the goal of any manager or leader is to is to try and foster an environment where everybody's driven behind this purpose because that's what gets the best out of people. And and if you really are, if you have integrity about your purpose. You're gonna get. You're gonna do better at getting closer to you know ac- accomplishing that purpose. You know some of the hardest working people you'll ever meet in your entire life are people who work for free and volunteer for you know associations and organizations that don't pay them at all. Like you meet a volunteer who's feeding the poor or saving animals or whatever, and you'll fi- find some of the hardest working people you've ever met in your entire life, and, and it's all because they're driven by purpose. Mm. So to hear this from our team and albeit how it's not a massive team but the people with us is really humbling you know it makes me feel oh, really yeah. good about you know what we're it's doing it's powerful to see you know just that their mentality uh like it shared with us like it, they're, they're driving towards a purpose like a uh they they want some kind of meaning out of what they're doing and how they can contribute towards that goal and i think that um you know, having that is like sort of the baseline for us and the foundation of what we do is so important because if we didn't have that, it would just be, yeah, we're just going to spout off information and whatever we know and like hope that people grab onto that. Yeah, but, we're just trying to get followers and we're trying to get downloads yeah. and we're trying to get, you know, this and, you know, it's like, no. It's much deeper than that. Yeah. And and we don't really discuss that a lot. And I know that's that's kind of the underlying theme of uh, and why a lot of companies, they, they start out with, uh, you know, sort of that mission statement and they try and like keep that as a part of the company. But a lot of that times that gets lost in the mix. And I think that, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's great to hear that uh, people that work with us or work around us, like they still notice that, you know, that, that, that underlying theme uh, to everything we do. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a nice feeling and it's very humbling. It's very humbling to hear that from people who are, are working for your company. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know. It's, I find it very interesting and, and again, uh, extremely humbling. So it, it just reminds me of why we're doing what we do. Sometimes I'll get, you know, we'll get messages from people and talk about, I, I just got a message the other day from, uh, a, a guy who lost a hundred pounds and, um, you know, he was feeling, it, it was a obviously very difficult task. Anybody who's ever lost, you know, even 15 pounds knows how hard it can be. So this is a hundred pound weight loss. Yeah. And he did it, you know, through the process of listening to our podcast and did things the right way. He said in a very healthy way, he says he has a totally different relationship with food, although he's still challenged by it. Um, he said that, you know, in the past he thought if he lost weight, he'd be happy, but he realized that he needed to be happy first. And then that would result in weight loss. And, you know, when I read stuff like that and hear what the staff says, fucking great, man. It gets me really, really pumped and driven. Oh, this is why I think that um, Find Your Why is such an, an, an mm-hmm. or Start With Why, excuse me, uh, with Simon Sinek, Sinek is an incredible read just because I think I get a lot of people that inbox me about, you know, wanting to start their own fitness business. And when I kind of ask them what, you know, what is it that you want to do that's different than everybody else or what, you know, what exactly and it, it, it what exactly is that, you know, just you want to be in fitness and you want to, 
you know, be a personal trainer and you want to get lots of clients, like what are you, what's your purpose? What's your why? What drives all that? I think that was really clear for the four of us when we all first met. I mean, there, we saw a major need in the space and, you know, we knew that we were going to try and move a big ship and we knew that it was going to take a long time and it still is. I mean, as as humbling as what you're saying is is so true because of all the feedback and the growth of the of the business and the show and but I mean man we're still just a we're just not a, even a blip on the radar yeah, yeah. we would just still I mean this is a big fucking ship that we're oh. trying to move and we have moments where I think I I, I go oh hell yeah I feel like mm. we're part of that I feel like we're part of that movement and I feel like we're really helping steer this space in that direction and, and i and i do take a lot of pride in that but then there's other times where i'm like fuck yeah. we have a long way to go still. there's still a lot of shenanigans out there <clears throat> we need to expose and and bring light to and stuff so yeah it's like the the work is is endless is is how i feel yeah, well, well pra- pragmatically speaking i know we all know this very very well because this is what we do that if people improve their health uh, that lots of things, if not everything, would improve in their life. Not that it's the answer and the only answer, but if you improve your health, you're, you have better mental capacity, your emotions are better, you can handle more. Obviously, the cost of being alive is much uh, much lower because you're healthy. Uh, you're, and you, you, you live longer, you have more, you know, just it, it solves a lot of problems, or at least makes life much more enjoyable. So that's the pragmatic aspect of it. But then there's this philosophical part of fitness where when you're trying to talk to someone or communicate to people that, you know, the one of the most powerful things you could do to improve the quality of your life and to give your life meaning, one of the most powerful things you could do is, is self-improvement. Realize that you have a lot of control over yourself and try to improve yourself and make yourself better rather than focusing on all these external factors, right? Now, fitness is so awesome because it's such an easy way to get there. It's a very easy way to get there because I can tell the I can talk to the average person. If I take the average person off the street who's not working out, kind of feeling down, whatever they don't they eat like crap, and and I bring them in here and I go, hey man, you need to do some self improvement. You need some self growth. You need to focus on yourself. They're gonna look at me like fuck you, right? But if I take them in here and I go, hey, listen, you know, I, I I'm a fitness trainer. Um, you ever work out before? No. I think I can help you out with your training. How many days a week do you think you could work out? Uh, I can barely do two days a week. No problem. Let me figure this out for you. Now I've, I got my foot in the door because fitness is kind of an easy sell, right? It's easier, I should say. I got my foot in the door. And once I communicate that right, and once they taste what it feels like to improve yourself through fitness, it bleeds over and everything else. You know. So anyway, pretty pretty cool stuff. J- Justin, did you say you had an article? No, I had I had some interesting information. Um, I I wasn't aware of. Uh, there was like a statistic, or not a statistic, but like there was a nutritionist that was on uh, a podcast I was listening to, and they're talking about caffeine post workout. Oh, increases glycogen. Yes, yeah. increases glycogen stores, and and I thought that was just interesting, just um, in terms of like that being a factor for somebody that does like a double or triple dare, like is like into like serious conditioning, like what a interesting little advantage that would be. Yeah. Studies show that a little bit of caffeine post-workout accelerates the, the speed and uptake of uh, glycogen replenishment uh, Mm -hmm. post-workout. So if you have like, you know how they always say like, why does it have something to do with the blood? I yeah, I don't has, know. They That's the thing. They were speculating, but they didn't know, uh, like there was no real like like science there to, to, to define it. I think it has to do with in, increasing insulin sensitivity, but I, I don't think yeah. they quite know. But here's the thing about something like that. And this is why you need to read a study, but then you need to also look how it applies to 
real life. Are you going to get more benefits from caffeine post-workout because of the small increase in glycogen absorption and uptake? Or are you going to benefit more from caffeine pre-workout when you need more energy and drive to get through a, a hard workout. Uh-huh. And so that's my that's my big point, right? So yes, okay, fine. The study shows that caffeine helps with, you know, glycogen replenishment post workout. I don't want to take caffeine after I'm done. I know. I was I was trying to think about how that would work, you know, especially like with trying to recover when with like going to sleep and uh and then the next day like say you have double days like throughout the week <laughs> right sense. like yeah i was like well how do we schedule this like well what didn't, that look like? didn't we just talk with dr carbral carbral cabral. cabral cabral i don't what's up with my tongue this morning <laughs> it's fucking everywhere sorry <laughs> follow tongue twisters yeah didn't we just discuss with him about the 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 benefits and the importance of like trying to get parasympathetic as fast yeah. as you can right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we did so yeah. that kind of defeats that purpose right it, it does and this is what i'm saying so a yeah. study like this what what happens is they study one uh metric or parameter so they'll say okay let's look at glycogen how fast the body replenishes glycogen post-workout and let's see how caffeine affects that oh great caffeine you know greatly improved glycogen replenishment Mm -hmm. they'll publish that now people will look at that and they'll look at that one sole thing and be like cool this is a good idea yeah but you're not looking at the whole picture if we did a study that compared and this is my guess i don't think a study like this exists but just based on my experience if they compare groups of people that took caffeine pre-workout and caffeine post-workout and forget glycogen replenishment, let's just see who built more muscle, burned more body fat, had better performance. At the end of it, I I would bet money that the pre-workout use of caffeine would be more beneficial than the post-workout use of caffeine. Mm-hmm. Let's also consider caffeine is a you know it's, it stimulates that sympathetic response, will release cortisol right. in the body, and. And then let's also talk about just feeling. Like when I'm done with a hard workout, why would I want to go get amped up right. with caffeine? I like that zen feeling post-workout. I want to be able to let my body kind of rest. And now, recover. what if it was your first workout, right? Mm. If you had like a double workout scheduled that day, like if you did a post-caffeine, uh, it's your first workout but not the second Or one. if it's just a, simply in the morning, like you're saying. Yeah. Like if it's right. er, an early morning workout, right, I early can see morning. that. Because then you, being stimulated the rest of the day is not a big deal. Yeah, I would I would do – you have to have a really good tolerance for caffeine. because. And the other thing, too, is it would be – I think it would be wiser to have the to caffeine the pre. 30, 30 minutes to an hour before the workout okay. rather than right after the – you know, like let's say we do two workouts and, and one of them ends – Let's say first one ends at 10 a.m. and the next one starts at 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't make any sense to have the 10 a.m. caffeine post-workout. That's going to wear off its effects by the time I get to 3 p.m. Mm. See what I'm saying? I'd rather mm-hmm. have it at 2.30 uh-huh. before the next workout. Okay. But if you have like a really – if you like like you, for example, you know you can handle a lot of caffeine. Then maybe what you do is you do your you know 200 milligrams pre-workout and maybe 25 or 50 milligrams, a real small dose – post-workout and then yeah another- i just heard about this for like pro athletes like what they're manipulating and with sodium and you know glycogen and uh it's just interesting to me to see how nutritionists are sort of like scheduling these things uh you know to get them to recover or perform at the highest performance and you know but like it always goes back to like splitting hairs in all these different directions uh, as far as like the benefits you know outweighing yep. the outcome and so yeah and can you guys think of anybody clients that you guys have trained that caffeine at all is a bad idea <laughs> yeah right yeah. yeah for sure you know all yeah. the all the super type a aggro oh, you, yeah you know how many how many of those people i've told to not have coffee and it, it was worked out great i said no caffeine whatsoever for you because uh-huh. 
your your HP axis is all over the place. You're having trouble <laughs> sleeping. You you're working twelve hours a day. Well, I already feel personally like I've been I've been driving way too hard, and like I was trying to like make up for the fact that like my house and all these different things were sort of in a state of chaos, and so just ramped like and had like this crazy sympathetic like drive the last few days and put myself into being susceptible to like getting a cold and so i'm like fighting this right now is that why your voice is kind of yeah i'm like extra sexy today he's got got a little bit of the adam i got a little bit of that so i like i mean i I don't know what your guys' recipe is. Mine was uh, I started with the green juice and uh, with the turmeric. That was like one of my my go tos with that, and then also the elderberry, uh, and that's that's sort of something that I've been trying to. Now I haven't added the turmeric into that. What, what's the what's the idea behind adding turmeric into the the mix there too? For which one? For what Justin like Justin's kind of remedy right now for when he starts to feel a cold coming on is he's saying the I'm just very inflamed. Yeah, just for the inflammatory uh, you know aspect of it, um, just to reduce that. It also <coughs> Has, I guess know, is that so with a cold you're gonna you're gonna have that so that makes sense yeah and and also turmeric is uh, it actually if I'm not mistaken and you know if I'm wrong just DM me let me know but I'm pretty sure that there's some of the active ingredients in in turmeric uh, act on the cannabinoid receptors in the body uh, differently than like cannabis would mm. and not not a, this is a, this can be a good thing because it helps modulate the immune system so if you're you know, immune system seems to be under fire, turmeric may help your immune system oh, interesting. be a little bit stronger or at least be able to handle I thought I read something about stress. it boosting your immune system. That's what turned me in that direction. Yeah, but. and here's the thing with immune boosting type <clears throat> products, you, you, you know, it's not always necessarily a good thing to have a hyper immune system. What right. you want is something that's going to get your immune system to operate when you op- want it to. Optimally. Yeah. Because a high, like an immune system that's too reactive may give you more inflammation. Mm-hmm. It may give you, you know, autoimmune issues, of course, on the extreme end. Um, so, yeah, turmeric and then the, the green juice probably, Yeah, right? green juice is yeah, always a staple for me when, when I start to feel that way too, but I didn't even think about the turmeric. I mean, oh, I, wow. Yeah. So, check this article out that I, I just read the other day. I forgot all about this, by the way. A report was uh, issued by the FDA um, and they listed... Between 2007 and 2016, there were 776 dietary supplements that contained, that they found, contained uh, unapproved pharmaceutical ingredients in them. And how many? What? 776. Now, there's a website uh, that where they list tainted products. And the website itself, and you know what? We got to put this in the, in the show notes oh, yeah. because- the website's a freaking long ass link or whatever, but they're tainted products marketed as supplements list, and it's it catalogs anytime the FDA reports find unapproved pharmaceutical ingredients in supplements. Wow! So it's not supplements that had nothing, you know, like like this said that has you know 500 milligrams. Of no, it's like it's like sprinkling some cocaine in your pre workout or something uh, like that. Oh right? well, <laughs> Viagra was found in some of them. Anabolic, of course, anabolic hormones were found in some of them. Uh, Meridia was found in some of them. So, uh, any, do you see the brands? Are you looking at the brands? Uh, you can go on the site and look. There's a ton, right? There's 776. <laughs> well, any that we reckon that you recognize? Let me see, I'll look it up. Here. I mean, are these, I, are these like all the shady? Well, like, does it examine, uh, like covers a lot of products as far and rates them as far as supplements are examine.com? concerned? Yeah, examine.com? Yeah, uh, examine.com. Examine.com is really good website just to tell you about the f- efficacious, you know, of doses supplements and, and all doses. That? Yeah, okay. but it doesn't like go down and, and test. Oh. 
brands and stuff. Okay. Check this out. They found that 20% of the products on the FDA's tainted list contain more than one unapproved ingredient. So not just one pharmaceutical they throw in there, another one also. So 20% of them had more than one. That's not good, man. Oh my god. That's fucking I heard that there was like birth control like in like all that kind of stuff found in powders and things that they've tested and like I'm like, "Oh my god." Dude, you know what the this so this is why this makes me mad because what's going to end up happening through this They're going to they're going to have to regulate it, bro. And then that They're pushing, that's what they're pushing. Of course. You know? Of course. Well, mm. so some of the supplements Man, it'll just be more expensive yeah. for everybody and more it's more like hoops you got to jump through. Wow, yeah. slim fast. SlimFast had uh, Subetramine in it. What? SlimFast yeah, got yeah. nailed? I'm looking through all wow. of these. Wow, that's a if big one. A, oh my, some of these are hilarious. There was a supplement called, <laughs> can you, okay, I want you to guess what this supplement was designed for. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's called Zoom, Zuma, Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I like this game. Zoom, Zuma, Zoom. That's a pre-workout or a fat burner. It's got to be something. Fat or a pre-workout for sure. me hyped. It's a boner pill. Oh, it's a Zoom, Zoom. And it had fucking Viagra in it. Hey, girl, I want to do zoom 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 Wow. You know what's funny? Here's what's funny. You know a lot of people are going to go on this site now to buy these supplements. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, these actually work. They're going to be like, oh, yeah. shit, I could get, uh, you know, what's this one called? Extra Strength Instant Hot Rod. This There's is another one. That <laughs> one had seven. This is where Johnny Bones Jones was shopping. God, <clears throat> man. Yeah. It's like the Wild West out there with these guys. Yeah. Anyway, they're, they're, it's stupid. They're, they're stupid. They're going to shoot. They're going to kill the whole industry that way. Because yeah. then they're going to all get, what's going to end up happening is at some point. They're just making Amazon's job that much easier. Mm. No. They're just making Amazon that much. Yes. They're like, yes, more idiots doing so that because they will. They'll put out a great product and reviews. The reviews will handle everything. I hope. It will. Yeah. You know? Of course it will. Well, here's the problem with reviews. Let's say you buy, you know, a boner pill. And you take it not knowing it's got Viagra in it. What kind of review do you think you're gonna? Yeah, write? but all it's gonna five stars. All this it, shit works. Yeah, but yeah. all it's going exactly. to take is rock hard. One person like this. So you remember what Mike said? You know, if someone if someone blasts it on there, I mean, Amazon pulls shit right yeah, away. That's so true. so if it, if someone goes on there and says, "Hey, we had this tested and we found this, this, and this in there." It'll, within 24 hours, that shit will be yanked off there right away until they do more further research on it. So hmm. that's the cool part about Amazon. Is yeah, because what, what'll, what'll happen is you're going to end up, God forbid, some some you know like somebody dies and then there's like this big media thing about it. Then some politician who's going to act like he cares about everybody because that's what they do. He's going to they're going to come out and be like, hey, we need to regulate to save our children or something like that. Right. Then they're going to pass these regulations, and then you're going to go to the store and you're going to buy a, a bottle of vitamin C, and it's going to cost you eighty five dollars. And there's nothing else like there's vitamin C, vitamin D, you know what I mean? And there's going to be nothing else like herbs or supplements or anything else that comes out that may have some, you know, efficaciousness to it is going to have to go through this lengthy regulatory process. And it'll take five years, and then maybe they'll do it. Maybe they won't because they don't have enough money to go through this whole thing. And, and at that know, point, it's like I'm just gonna eat oranges, and then those are gonna go way up in price. Yeah. yeah. Did we Damn did we it. share on the podcast? Did we share what uh, Mike Matthews had shared with us about like the hustle with the Amazon game with supplements and everything like that? I think he talked about it on his episode. When did we he talk about it that a little bit? Yeah. Because yeah, we talked about it more when we were up at the at the podcast heart event. Well, so here, so one thing that he said that some of these supplement companies will do to fuck with each other is they'll buy all your stock. So like if I go on, let's say let's say Adam and I are, are competitors and we both sell creatine and I, I want to fuck with Adam. I go on Adam's Amazon you know, site and I buy 
a thousand bottles of creatine, which instantly makes it say out of stock. Yeah. But because it, you know, I can then return it within 24 hours, never oh, have to pay for dirty. it or whatever. It still takes, you know, a three or four or five days or a week for that to register that wow. it got returned. So in the meantime, no one can buy anything from you because it says out of stock. And that hurt, that kills you on Amazon. It kills you. Yeah. Don't they have, they have limits on like one person buying up all the inventory? They do that now. But yeah, but they could still get around that by having other names and accounts. Because yeah, right? I went on, I, uh, you know, I went on there to buy, my dad wanted to, he said, what should I take for caffeine? And I found this one caffeine product that you know that I, I could try, and I went on there. I was going to buy a more than one bottle. It only allowed one per customer. I think that's why because they fuck oh, with each yeah, other. They figured that yeah, out. Yeah, because I'm like, why would they limit me to? Well, well the that's, other- cr- that's so dirty, man. Well, I and you can't imagine and it. people think you may not realize like someone like at Mike's size, like Legion, is a, a big company. So the amount of you know, did pro- you you stop selling for three days? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about thirty, forty, fifty thousand yeah, dollars more, thousands and thousands of dollars that 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 business is losing instantly. Or the other one he told me that I thought was so fascinating was. You know, so there's a big hustle to be on the top three, right? So if you search in Amazon creatine, it means everything to be that one of the top three that everyone sees right away. If That's you're right. five, yeah. six, seven, eight, it doesn't matter that much. So there's this big hustle to be How in the How do you top. get on the top? Yeah, so they're constantly leapfrogging each other. So if you know that, you know, Legion is coming out with a a creatine and you I mean you're dropping a creatine and they're like the number one creatine and you're getting ready to release your creatine, right? I could go on there, put a false claim on you know uh, it, yeah. giving me you know diarrhea and vomiting and I got yeah. really heart sick. palpitations yeah right. and it has to go through this review process that could take forty eight hours a week right, right. they during just have those. to immediately take it off and that during that forty eight hours I have an opportunity to leapfrog you and get up get up there meanwhile Legion loses tens of thousands of dollars and now I'm up there making a bunch it's just that's what he deals with on a daily basis it's, man it's gangster out there fuck that it's a it's a fuck that I don't yeah. want to be nothing none a part of that dude yeah I know that's kind of a crazy but the, the, I mean that's the crazy part though that they're gonna be the platform you know for for all of that I mean that's where you go to sell now so you're gonna have to deal with all that shit you know what it may just get to the point where it gets so bad that everybody just says all right let's just oh, be let's cool. go like sell person to person yeah let's yeah. just be cool no let's just all be cool because yeah, yeah. who knows you know the thing about the supplement industry that I, one of the things that I hate I hate the most is you get these these people that start these companies and they're shady as fuck and their whole intention is to make a bunch of money and and then close it out like they they don't even care about lasting long right right they just want to sell a bunch real fast and then as soon as they start to get heat Shut it down. Well, that's start another. That's one. like what we yeah. just talked about on the one of the last episodes was the whole rise supplements. I mean, oh, that's yeah. the the hustle is you go from shreds, you blow it all out, you oh, make millions of I dollars. Got the perfect anti brand for that fall. <laughs> fall. I'm, no. crea- I'm creating fall. falls. 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 Yeah, put a Z falls. In but that's. I mean, that's what you do, right? You you blow it up, then you get enough hate and reviews from it. You shut it down. You cash out. Yeah. You know you you then in the markup on supplements are so high. That you can have a stock of you know ten million dollars worth of product, you can cut it in half, and you still make a profit off of it. You you sell it off real quick, then you turn right back around, and you you relabel it something else, and attach yourself to some superstar person. And it's just so unfortunate. Like they still just capture all these idiots. That, like I mean, it's it's such a machine. It's such a formula that still works yeah. today. It's like frustrating for me to watch. You know, it is, and it's because a lot of people don't have foresight they're not looking long term the cannabis industry does this sometimes like i've talked about this so many times the cannabis industries they're going to make themselves get if they do legalize which they probably will 
they're going to make themselves get so regulated that it's not going to even be cool because why? They keep putting out products that are candy and fucking cereal and all this shit that's high dose with THC that's just begging for some kid to find mm -hmm. and get sick. And so then they're going to come out and be like, we need to regulate no more edibles. You know what I mean? Or no more edibles over two milligrams of THC like some states have. And it, it's their own fault. Like, stop being like, look, have some foresight, man. You want some longevity in this? You right. know, have some integrity because what you're going to end up doing is you're going to end up, you know, poking the 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 regulatory bear. And once the that once you get regulated, you'll never go back. Yep. There's no, it never ever goes yeah, back. They don't undo that. No, it's never backwards. It's always more and more and more. And then you're fucked. Good luck. Now we have a a market where. Now we can't sell certain things or again, God forbid we have a supplement market that becomes regulated by the FDA. It'll destroy the market. In fact, the people who probably will promote and support regula regulation of the market of supplements are the mega supplement companies that have yeah, already tons they of money. want to kill the competition. They just want to eliminate the, the competition yep. and then it'll become a much less dynamic uh, you know, industry. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. All right, our first question is from VMA, Mr. Black. In some of your programs, you include exercises like weighted dips, weighted pull-ups, etc. Is it better for muscle development to add weight and barely make the prescribed rep range or add no weight but max the rep range? So I, I think he's referring to, like in our programs, we give people a range, right? So like, you know, and let's say you're in... I just did a great video for this. I had to pick the right, right, uh, the right weight? Yes, I just did. Yeah, I just did a great video for this on YouTube. So if you haven't gone over there, uh, go over there to our Mind Pump TV. I apologize for the sound. Um, we actually put it up because the content we thought was really good, even though uh, we had an issue with the mic. So uh, and so far so good. I think. I mean, obviously, we always have our trolls that want to point that out right away, and we, we know that the fucking sound wasn't <laughs> good. But it's good enough that you can hear what I'm talking about because this is probably one of the most common things that. I get asked uh, when when talking about programs, you know, and it's pretty typical. You have, uh, uh, you know, the most common, the three most common rep ranges is five, ten, and then fifteen. Right, is what you, is your basic strength, hypertrophy, and endurance type training uh, prescribed reps. And how do I decide? You know, do I go up in weight or stay the same, or how do I pick the weight for those rep ranges? And I, the, what I talk about in the video is. I give a, a, a two rep buffer, meaning that if it says five, you know, three to seven is what is going in my head, right? That's what's help, um, to help me. Because if you go two more reps than five, it doesn't mean you're not strength training. If you go two less reps than five, it doesn't mean you're not strength training. You're still strength training, but that's how you kind of gauge that. Now, when something specific to weighted dips and weighted pull-ups if I'm if I'm training in a strength phase, I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna lean towards adding more weight and maybe falling short on the reps or just barely being able to get the reps. If I'm more in a hypertrophy type of a phase, I'm gonna go the other way, right? I'm gonna go. I want to make sure I get the reps because mm -hmm. of because of the adaptation that your your desire what you're trying to get, right? You're trying when you're tra your strength training. We're really trying to push strength. You're trying to push weight. 
So when I'm doing in, in a lower rep range, I'm going to lean more towards you know being able to increase weight if I can if I'm in the higher rep. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, because yeah, I think does. I think what he's referring to is in our programs we give people a range. So we'll say twelve to fifteen, you know, six to eight, <laughs> ten to twelve. And so the question is, do I go for the higher end of it? Or the lower end of it, uh, do I add more weight? Or yeah, just so I go rest? unweighted because it, it prescribes weighted. But right. like you have to assess already if you can do, uh, like say if you can do perform 15 reps, but in in the rep range we have like 8 or 10. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, you, we want you to add weight to that so you struggle your way through that. So yeah. it's not like a, an easy uh, accomplishment. There's Yeah, there's two approaches here. So I'll give you a, to make it more clear. Let's say I'm in a, a phase one of MAPS Anabolic, which is a classic uh, strength uh, phase of, our, of any of our MAPS programs. And let's the, the, the rep range goal there is, uh, you know, let's say four to six reps, okay? My goal can be two. I can have two different goals. Either A, I pick a weight that I do four reps with this week, and next week the goal is to add weight and do four reps. Or B, I keep the weight the same, and now instead of doing four reps, I try and do six reps. The way I like to personally do it, especially in a strength phase where my strength is ramping up very quickly, is I'll first week aim for the lower end of that rep range. Then I'll wait until I start to move out of that rep range and then I add weight. So in other words, if my rep range is four to six, I'll pick a weight that lets me do four the following week. Ooh, I did six. The next week I'm going to add weight so I can go back down to four rather than going out of the, out of the range. So you're utilizing both. But really, we're kind of splitting hairs. It's all progressive. It's all mm -hmm. progressing your body. So I'd say mix it up a little bit. I mean, here's the other thing too. Another way you could progress is let's say I do squats and I did 10 reps with the weight and uh, the next time I do it, I feel stronger. Rather than adding reps or weight, maybe I just make it my form even better. Maybe I just slow down a little bit and make the exercise feel harder because naturally it feels easier because I'm stronger. Mm. These are all ways to get your body to many ways progress. to many ways to manipulate intensity. That's right. Yeah, there's That's many right. ways to manipulate it. For yeah, sure. I've I've done it to where you know one of my favorite techniques is to start emphasizing the end ranges of motion of an exercise. So, mm -hmm. like let's say I'm doing a, a fly, and I'm and I feel stronger now because I'm getting stronger in my workouts. Then what I might do is instead of grabbing heavier dumbbells is maybe I hold the stretch for a half a second to a second longer. Or maybe at the top of the rep, I squeeze my pecs hard for one to two seconds. <clears throat> I like doing things this way because sometimes adding, always adding weight, even if you're stronger, encourages potential risk of injury and imbalances. Yeah. Sometimes it's better just to, I'm stronger, so and I'm just- It might gonna, exaggerate your- your compensations. That's it. You know, maybe maybe I'm just gonna I'm stronger, but instead of adding weight, I'm just gonna get more perfect. See for with my form. A, a typical rule of thumb for myself personally is it. It all depends on the adaptation focus. So like all of our programs are mm -hmm. are phased for a reason. You either have a strength type of focus, you have some sort of a you know endurance or a hypertrophy focus, and so when I'm doing something in strength, which is the low rep ranges, I'm going to flirt and push more with trying to really stretch myself weight-wise. Sure. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to just fuck form off. I'm a, I'm a stickler with form for sure, but I'm going to stretch myself that way, even if it means I fall a rep or so short of the target of the program. So if a program is saying six to eight, like Sal is saying, I'm, I personally, when I'm following a strength phase, 
I'm as there's a lot of times where that set I might only got four because I was trying to stretch myself weights. I'm okay with that because I know when I get to phase two or three in that program and I get in the higher rep ranges, my focus tends to change a little bit different. That's where I start to slow down the rep and because I'm chasing more of a pump, I'm moving sure. moving a lighter weight, I start to increase the intensity through slowing down my tempo and focusing more on my form. Not that I'm neglecting that in, in, in lower rep ranges, it's just that if that's the main adaptation, I want to be stretching myself. And I find that people tend to, depending on who you're talking to, because there's, of course, there's so many individual variances, but for the most part, when you have somebody who is super, super all about form, then when they get in a strength phase, they they treat it the same way too, and, and they probably could stretch themselves a little bit further on the weight, and the vice versa is true. So it really does depend on how do you normally train, and you'll probably benefit from... Yeah. It's funny because uh, just through my experience of training people, uh, women tend to right. not want to add weight, and men tend to want to add weight when they shouldn't. So it's, mm-hmm. it's and that's just, of course, that's a generalization, but it's more true more often than not. Where I'll have, a, I'll be training a female client, and I'll be like, "Oh, we could definitely add ten pounds." Oh, I, I don't w- want to add ten. And then to my male clients, I'm like, "Bro, you need to take ten pounds off that yeah, bar, right? Because yeah. your form is going." I rarely had to tell uh, a woman to slow down and and control her form more. It's rare. They they tend to be more meticulous about uh, detail to form and technique. Mm-hmm. Um, I most often had to tell them to you know push yourself a little bit more. You can stretch yourself. You got this. The way I'm watching right. you, you look great. Push and they like you said. The guys tend to be the opposite of that. I yeah. normally I can add more weight. You're yeah, like, no, you can't. Yeah, your form's already breaking That's why down. Women are so much easier to train. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so great. That it's is like, very true. You know, like yeah, they are very meticulous and very like receptive to uh, you know like improve like like real time. You know, whereas <laughs> we get into that that moment of like you know where we want to press ourselves. Always, we're always trying to press ourselves. Yeah, yeah I'm it, always pushing Katrina when we're. We're working out together. I'm always trying to tell her, like, you look great. Like, yeah. add another ten pounds on that. Yeah, add another ten pounds on. Like, I'm always pushing her to add weight because I'm watching and her mechanics are great and she's, you know, afraid to go to. That. I'm like, I'm right here. You know, you're you're getting five, eight reps out, no problem. When was the last time you did something and you thought you were going to get five and you had to only do three? Mm-hmm. Like, that's rare. It's very rare when I would be teaching a, a female client or in, when I'm talking about Katrina right now, where we're squatting and today we're working in the six to eight rep range. Mm-hmm. It's rare that she gets out of the way and she had to stop at three because she she overstretched herself by putting too much weight on. That happens all the time with me. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm training squats and I'm I'm pushing the weight up and it, I'm supposed to be getting six to eight reps and oh shit I only got three because I was pushing too far. It's just it's it's very typical. So whatever it is that you tend to do, probably going the opposite direction, like I always As say usual. on this podcast, mm-hmm. is probably best for yeah. you. Next question is from four oh six Montana Viking. Will playing pickup games of basketball for about an hour twice a week tell my body not to build muscle? Oh, this yeah. is a good question. Yeah, you know why I put I picked this one because first off, will it could it potentially influence your body in a way to where it's not going to maximize building as much muscle as possible? Maybe, yeah. I mean, two and you know, two hours a week, twice but, a week, but, for two hours. Yeah, yeah, but but you know what? Who gives a fuck? Like, who yeah, cares? Yeah. You know. Well, I'm gonna, okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit here with that. Uh, as far as who cares? Here's here's something that I have put together with all the people that I've trained. And I believe I believe again, this was another great point that uh, Doctor Cabral brought up also with the body types. 
And <coughs> I'm an ectomorph for sure. So I struggle with putting putting muscle mass on my on my frame. And this was a big game changer for me was when I let go of playing basketball so much. I, I had I had a goal of being bigger. I wanted to be much bigger. I wanted to build a lot of muscle. I'm in my early 20s, but I also love the game of basketball so much that I played it almost every single day. And it, it, and it definitely did not uh, add to my building muscle. And I, in fact, I struggled with putting size on because I could not keep up with the amount of calories that I needed to consume based off of how much I was burning from all the basketball. And of course, I'm, I'm sending a signal to my body to be uh, leaner and lighter. I mean, and yet, so they're conflicting goals. Mm-hmm. So, and I think depending on the body type, it can be more conflicting. So I think when I, when I look across at Justin and know he played ball also, I think him playing ball once or twice a week would not hurt him as much building muscles as it would hurt me. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of know your body, your body. And if you are somebody who struggles with putting mass on and you're doing any cardio based type of stuff for an hour or more, uh, in a, in a week. Yeah. It's interesting to think about cause it did like enhance my training. I remember that was like part of my training regiment was I would, I would lift heavy throughout the week, but then I would add just like two hours or whatever pickup games to get uh, like a bit of conditioning in there and like, you know, move really quickly and explosively. Uh, but I wasn't like drawing out these games to where I felt like, you know, it was, it was like a serious like marathon or anything. But, uh, so that's why it's like two hours a week, you know, like that to me, it doesn't sound like, you know, much other than just kind of supporting, uh, you know, the process, but you do bring up a good point. If you are that type of a body that you burn, uh, you know, that's a concern is like really hard for you to gain. Uh, you have to account for all these, additional activities. I mean, I do want to address this. Like cardio may actually help you build muscle in some cases. Right. If it's going to make For you me, healthier. It no, it may. Here, yeah. Here's here's the thing. You will you should know if this is you or not. I mean, like Justin just said, like if if you are if your goal is to build muscle and you're playing basketball and you're building muscle, it's totally fine. Yep. But if you're stuck in a plateau and you're not building muscle and you're playing basketball, it very well could be one of the reasons why you're struggling with that. It could. It 100% was it something with, that I struggled with because I was playing so much ball. Yeah, and my point with the whole who cares thing is, is this. At the end of the day, okay, if, if that's your ultimate goal is to build muscle and that's, all, that's what you want to do more than anything, okay, take the basketball out and see what happens. But if your goal is to build muscle but also enjoy your life and you really like playing basketball and you like hanging out with your friends, who gives a shit? Like, go do it. How much muscle are you not building from doing the basketball you know, an hour twice a week, a few pounds maybe. I mean, it's not 15 pounds of muscle. Where you know, it's not it's not going to affect you that much. So my my you know the, the reason why I say that is, I think people need to view activity and, and what they're doing and their goals and look at total total quality of life. Mm-hmm. And is it improving the, the the quality of your life to play basketball? Do you really enjoy it more than the potential of gaining a few more pounds of muscle? If the answer is yes. Keep playing basketball. If your goal is just to build muscle and that's the most important thing and that's really your 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 laser-like focus is on that, then any type of you know training that's asking your body to adapt in a way that is not in the direction of building muscle, um, you you want to take those things out. Right. It's just not advantageous. That's, that's all. Right. That's it's right. Just, it's that's all. And that's that's the point I'm making. It's like because <laughs> I agree with you, Sal. Like I mean, basketball is a passion of mine. So. 
but you you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with you're doing two sure. things that are sending a conflicting goal to your body. And depending on your body type, it can be more conflicting than you realize. And that's my point. My point is if you're like I was, because for this was a, a very major missing piece for me that the light bulb never went off until I finally teased that out and thought, you know what? I really have never tried to not play ball for a while and just focus on getting bigger. And it was a 15-pound gain for me. It was a mm. big deal. You were for playing me. a lot though, yeah. right? I was. I was. You know, this person saying two hours, I was more like playing five to six hours a week for sure. I was playing a lot of basketball at that time. But at, the more I scaled it back, the easier it was for me to build and gain. And this I believe that's really true for somebody who already struggles with putting size yeah. on and struggles with getting enough calories. If you have a different body type where you actually struggle with getting lean and you don't have a problem with building, then I think that affects this person way less. So that really you have to know if you're this person yeah, or not. Because I, I build muscle. If, if I do zero cardio and all I do is lift – and I incorporate a little bit of cardio, actually build more muscle because I think my health improves. And that's what the study proves. Yeah. The, the studies show that. Yeah, the, yeah. the studies show that that, that it's- Just because you're healthier. Right. It yeah. can be very yeah. beneficial, but mm -hmm. it, it, this this conversation you know, really matters to who I'm speaking to on how detrimental playing basketball at X amount of times per week could be to your body type. And I, I definitely think that if you're struggling to put muscle and size on- it could be absolutely something that helps you out to tease out. But if you're somebody who's building muscle and you're playing the game, I mean, absolutely. I think that's a, mm -hmm. a quality of life does exceed that. Next question is from Mark DeShark. Uh -oh. <laughs> Mark DeShark. How much lumbar extension is too much when performing a barbell squat or overhead press? If it feels like it comes naturally to have an arched lower back, what are some things that may be causing this, and are there correctional exercises to help eliminate the need to arch? So lumbar extension is literally what he's saying, arching your low back, so like sticking your butt out. Uh -huh. Now here's the thing with the when it comes to joints, okay? What you don't want to do with any joint is you don't want to you don't, you don't want, want to stack to be, all the force on top. Yeah, of it. yeah, you don't want to support it in its end range of motion. So. If you have a natural arch, but that's not the end of that range of motion for you, in other words, you're not relying on the spine itself to support itself, then that's okay. If it, if it is doing that, then it's not okay and you want to go in a different direction. For, another example would be like, you know, if I'm, uh, if I'm locking my knees out with weight on my back and I'm almost pretty much relaxed and what's supporting me standing with locked knees is my knee joint itself because they're locked back and it's the ligaments and tendons and stuff that's supporting me and not necessarily the muscle, not a good thing. If I can stand up with straight knees, but what's supporting me is muscle, not a bad thing. So the, the, that's, the, that's number one with this. Number two, if it is an issue and you are feeling like shearing force in the low back because it is kind of close to your end range of motion, just do, just do the opposing movement, which literally is. And I, have, I would have clients like this all the time where we do a, a squat or a deadlift. They'd arch their back and then they'd say, oh, I feel pressure in my low back. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, okay, here's what we're going to do in the next set. While you're doing your set, I want you to flex your abs like, so like, like you're gonna, getting ready for me to poke you in the stomach. Like someone's yeah. going to poke you, you're kind of huh, you brace down. And automatically that would create a little opposing force where the abs will pull the pelvis in the opposite direction a little bit. And boom, nine out of ten times the pain would go away. So yeah. one throw them up against the wall. Oh, uh, yeah. That's what, yeah, I know Adam's mentioned that before, like in between sets. I think that's brilliant. Uh, I have done that too, just 
you know, with my clients and myself, uh, just doing like our, our simple wall test of, you know, just TVA activation. So just trying to work on that and like rolling the hips and like, um, you know, getting my back as flat as possible and really connecting to the abs, I, I found to be super beneficial, but that's just a simple thing that you can do in between sets. I, that's been huge for me. That's something that this is. So I have this, right? So I have an excessive arch. So this is a problem that I have. So I have to you get that Instagram pose. I do. Arch. I have the the instant. What is, who called? What does Mike call butthole <laughs> no, no, models? That's nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Launch him. Under- <laughs> you just got rolled, sir. I love him, dude. Yeah. I got so much love for that guy. He's so inappropriate, right. just like we us. did a legion. Uh, yeah, that's right. Know, we in here, I gave so. a legion plug. Yeah, so I'm gonna throw him yeah, under the bus with the, butt- ways it out. with the butthole models. Yeah. I just think that's such a great name for him. I just think it's so great. So I, I definitely uh, suffer from this, um, and it, I know why 100%. Um, I, uh, I don't do enough uh, ab exercises. I don't do enough of TVA or core-type exercises to stabilize my hips better. So like Justin was saying, I go over to and to the wall and do our zone one test and then roll my hips and flatten my back out against the wall. I believe we did a YouTube video on that just last month. Uh, that I think is is an incredible tool to use. Um, and then also when I do the overhead press, before I press the barbell up, I literally squeeze my glutes and ex- exaggerate the opposite. So I, I squeeze my keep my butt squeezed while I press over my head. If I don't do that, I will default out. I 100% I will arch 100%. If I am not actively squeezing the glutes forward or squeezing my hips forward by activating my glutes, uh, I will arch, mm-hmm. and and that slightest bit of an arch holding a hundred plus pounds over your head, uh, I think is absolutely dangerous, and you got to be careful of that. So that is a cue that I have to do every single time mm-hmm. that I do a press. And you should be, if you're a trainer and you're training a client, that you notice they have an excessive arch. That is something you want to make sure that you cue and for sure. Too, to, if you're doing this in the squat, the squat is really where your concern is, as far as you know your your, your back. And, and um, you know, being able to maintain muscular tension throughout this uh, range of motion to take the stick and then place it behind your back like we show also in our compass test um, to be able to like maintain contact points and really like focus the whole time on keeping it drawn in as you're squatting down the whole time. Uh, if you want to break it down and really improve on that, like I highly suggest you work on that specifically. Yeah. If you were to take a spine without muscle supporting it and you would see that it's made up of many, many, many different joints and it will go, it will just flop over and bend over and, and move in whatever, whatever direction. Cause nothing's supporting it, but you can't fold the spine completely in half because the joints have a limited range of motion. So that's what I mean by not letting the end range of motion be supported just by the joint. Now that spine inside the body is literally surrounded by muscles that whose sole purpose and job besides, you know, certain movements or whatever is to stabilize so that the spine can stand up in its natural position without going into these end ranges of motion. That's the job of a lot of these muscles. And so, you know, your your abs, your internal and external obliques the muscle that uh, Justin has referred to now, the TVA, the transverse abdominis, which is, it is literally the muscle that sucks in your stomach. So if you're standing up tall and you want to make your belly look smaller and you suck in, yeah. that's the muscle that it's you're your internal weight belt. That's how I refer to people all the that's time. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. Then you have muscles that stabilize the spine and the back. Like, mm-hmm. you know, erector the, the, spinae. Erector spinae. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and, and your, even your lats have, you know, have a role and their hip flexors attached mm-hmm. to the spine and they all have a role. And really the goal is to 
stabilize your spine so that your limbs, your extremities, can move. You know, heavy weight. Like when I'm doing a squat, I'm you know I'm, I'm hinging at my hips, my knees are bending, and I'm I'm lifting lots of weight. And the last thing I want is for my spine to support the weight with the, the actual joints of the spine. It's a very dangerous. Uh, situation. So that's why stabilization exercises are so important. And if you have that excessive arch, uh, here's the best thing you could possibly do. We'll put this in the show notes. You know, I taught uh, in one of our YouTube videos a long time ago how to do a proper plank. And plank is a great exercise for this. Mm -hmm. But the way I teach it really helps at offsetting this problem of arching. And really, it's when you get into a plank, you're tucking your tailbone and crunching your abs and then supporting yourself there. That's a fantastic exercise to offset. Great exercise. Potential arching of the I, back. I was gonna I was gonna add that with the just the the back press, right? So if you're doing those two things, what a great way to prime yourself. Oh, perfect. If you have it, and this is where this is again what you know what what prime was all about was yeah. helping people figure out their specific imbalances. Here's a great. This is a very common one: the excessive arch in the low back two moves that I think are staple before squatting, the active plank that Sal is talking about where you're actually activating the glutes and actually rolling the hips in, and then uh, a back press uh, where you actually lay on your back and you actually press that arch down. So you mm -hmm. press against there and activate uh, activate the core and press the low back flat into the grass or the ground, whatever you're laying on. Those two moves priming before you get it into a squat. It'll help you feel what you're supposed incredible. to do. Incredible, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Next question is from PD Pitbull Fitness. How does one train to achieve muscle separation? Is it mostly genetic or can it be improved by training a specific way? Oh, I think it's very little genetic and mostly all diet. And, lean. Yeah, getting lean. There's like, definitely aspects that are genetic though. Like, yeah. uh, I, you know, when I get really lean, I have this uh, very striated, separated look to my muscles, that, that kind of grainy striated look. Some guys will get really shredded and they don't get that. They just have what, what you know, bodybuilders refer to as clean lines where the muscles look very separated, but they don't have the striation. And then other guys, you know, Branch Warren was like this. He was a bodybuilder, pro bodybuilder, um, and he would get shredded. But when he would pose, it would he's lean and he'd be vascular, but he wouldn't have the crazy separation of like a Phil Heath. Oh, see, I, th I think that the, it's just level of leanness. I think that, that's that's branch would be shredded. I see. I don't think he's that shredded. I, I think when you look, think of some of the pro bodybuilders, he's not the most diced and shredded guy. There he is. Yeah, I see a lot of veins. You know, bro, for he a is, lot of shit you're taking, but he is not. He when you get super super lean, like sub you know two percent body fat, that that striation comes out on almost every everybody, dude. It, no, he's definitely striated and separated. But if you compare him, because he's an upper, right? This is a guy who competed at the top. He's an Arnold Classic winner at one point. Compare him to like a Phil Heath or a Flex Wheeler, who didn't doesn't have the same veiny grainy look, but they have this very like you can clearly see the entire deltoid. You can clearly see the. You know, the, every muscle looks round and separated. See how D Doug just pulled up pictures of him. And that middle picture, to me, the difference is he's the leanest there. 
Because look at the look at the feathers in his quad, the separation in his delts. Oh, his quads for sure. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I I just think it's levels of lean because that's what our this is what our muscles look like underneath. If we didn't have fat and skin over them, we all pretty much look pretty similar. And yeah, but there's a different look to him, right? Like I could be shredded. Yeah, I don't know. Like by the way, we're we're, we're talking about like the smallest degree. Yeah, these guys are. I know. We're I, of course we're totally speculating right now, and yeah. this is this is all you know opinion, but. I when I, when I see competitors that I when we get backstage, you know, and some people had just better separation, but when I saw better separation, it was always because you were you dieted better, you were leaner, you got leaner than than anybody. And I I've seen it in myself, like I've gone on stage before where I am fucking I'm probably one two percent body fat, and there's been other times I've hit stage at probably four percent body fat, and there's definitely a visual difference between the muscle separation. When I'm lean, when you're the leaner you are, the less fat that you have between your skin and muscle and water that you have there, the more of the definition that you're going to see. And most people that don't have good separation and and there's 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 two major contributors too, because obviously if you have built up a good muscle there, it's going to be show separation without having to be as lean. Oh, right? yeah, so gotta- there's the there's the genetic difference that I think you were pointing to is some people just have I mean, I remember those kids when we were in school. Just he already had deltoid. He, he didn't even do anything yet, and he already had a good deltoid and separation from his bicep. And that's because genetically, he just was built that way. There's a, there's a, there's also like you know, and we there's always been the speculation that if you train really really heavy, you get that dense granite look. If you train lighter, you get the more bubbly kind of look. Although Ronnie Coleman kind of flips all that on its head because he had all of that and he was uh, also strong as shit. But like Branch Warman, you know, you just because we just brought him up as an example, his style of training very different than someone like a Dexter Jackson or a Phil Heath. And if you look at them side by side, both shredded, both great conditioning, both striated, you know, you know, Dexter or Phil will have like the really round. Like if Doug, if you put in Phil Heath, you can see what I'm talking about. Like the muscles look very distinguishably separate, even though they're both. Super lean, so there is some kind of a genetic component, well, right? To the no, quality, what it looks like. I know. I'll I'll go. I'll agree with you there too. That there is, um, and we see this a lot with bodybuilders in comparison to like strength athletes, right? Bodybuilders tend to have these these this more separation in their muscle, and that's because of their training. Yeah. You if you have a a a, um, a strength athlete who is training in the low rep range a good 80% of the time because they're a strength yeah, athlete. One muscle that goes all the way from your fingers to your shoulder. Right, right. And so <laughs> their, their, their separation it looks less. Now someone like a bodybuilder, like a Phil Heath, he trains probably in the higher rep range, lots of supersets, a lot of hypertrophy training, which gives you this bubblier, more filled out looking muscles, which then gives you the illusion of separation. So I agree with that. I mean, I think that 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 those make a difference, but nothing. I mean, I don't care if you've never lifted a weight before. If you get down to two percent body fat, you will have muscle separation. Yeah, yeah, way more than for than you did. That's before. what I mean. Yeah, so that's that's sure. my my point is it has everything to do with how lean you are. You so can his be arms look huge in comparison. Yeah, to but but, body. but do you see his? Uh, do you see how his muscles look so like uh, separate? They're both shredded. They're both absolutely diced and shredded, and they're both. And I mean, Branch had this quality of muscle that looked like he was made out of granite. Phil doesn't necessarily have that that look, but he also has that more of that flex wheeler kind of look or appeal. There's some genetics, you know, there, you know, and and, and there's some bodybuilders that that'll hit the stage and have this very strange looking 
striations in their muscle. But here's the deal. You can't see the difference in their genetics until they're all shredded. It's not going to make it. By the way, if you're listening right now and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to work more on separation and you get down to like 7% body fatty, which is lean, it's not going to make that big of a difference. Like you can't really tell until you're so shredded that you're depleted as hell. Which is, that, and that's really the point I'm trying to make is that yeah. it, there's not a way you should be training to get better separation. Nothing is going to give you better separation in your muscles than getting leaner, frankly. That's getting the, leaner and building muscle. Right, yeah. Getting leaner, building yeah. muscle is going to give you the, the, the illusion of that. Now, I learned this lesson uh, with my abs. So for years, I uh, you know I would be able to get lean. I'd get myself down to 5 or 6% body fat. And at this point, for me to see a six-pack in my midsection, like visible abs, I'd have to get below 7 or 8%, which is really low. A lot of guys... They'll have a six-pack at, at 10% body fat. Now, I thought it was because I just stored a lot of body fat in my in my midsection. But really, as I learned later on, it's because I didn't develop my abs very well. Later on, I started to do hypertrophy training for my abs. And I started to build them out. And then they became visible at 10 11 and 12% just because the muscles were bigger. And it's all about that illusion. And, you know, that's that's part of the, you know, the part of the process again, I guess. If you're you want your muscles to be more visible. You got to lean, but you also have to have, you know, build build, build bigger muscles. Right. Both of those make a big difference. So, Agreed. Uh, so check this out. We have a lot of free guides. Uh, the most recent one that we put out how to squat like a pro. There's some advanced uh, training techniques in there, like how to use bands and chains and what's the right frequency and all that stuff. Uh, you can find that guide and other guides at mindpumpfree.com. Go check it out. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now, plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.